cross post properly. Okay, hold on. Um, let's see. It's a purple picture of me with my glasses. Okay. Um, Lenny. Because I've been having some problems. Won't let me. Ah, oh, yes, 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 yes. So, so hit like to me. You know, hit like my page, whatever. So maybe I could try it again because I want to make sure it, it locks right into your artist page. And then you can jump, you know, from that. Okay. Let's see if it'll let me do it. Otherwise, you'll just have to take the feed from my page when it comes over. Okay. What I'm going to do is let me just leave a message with my guy, Lee. Um, and so that he can make sure. No, it's not letting me do it. Let's see. All right, so Hi, I'll Lee. It's Lee. Can you connect uh, the Lenny Fontana page to the Facebook page, um, the main one? Okay. Right. Thanks. Okay, so I'm going to click go live now. Okay, okay, here we go. You've got your glasses. You want to take your glasses off? You ready? Yeah. Oh, here we go. We are now starting to go live, everyone. Hello, hello, hello. I know you all probably seeing it now. It's 7 o'clock, 7.01 in the UK. As we work in the UK time, because that's where our biggest audience is these days. And all the music people seem to be as well. Share, share, share. Because sharing <laughs> is caring. That's what it's all about. That's right. First of all, I see, oh, look, they're running in. They're coming in. Children, hurry up. Grab your wine, your popcorn. Bring some, come along. Come your champagne, here. your champagne. I'm sorry, because we have caviar dreams. We need <laughs> champagne wishes today because we have a true gentleman from the scene of dance music, R&B, dance, and all. And you know, you can see him behind me. You hear his voice. He's a European treasure. <laughs> and I could actually say a personal friend. And what's funny was another superstar last week we had, David Morales. All of you, thank you for joining in. And what tremendous numbers we had. Over 500 shares of the show as we're going live. It's just not all me going all day. Because if you try to share, they will shut you down. You know how Facebook <laughs> operates. So it wasn't me going click, click, click. I'll say this to you. His story was incredible. Okay. And the funny part about his story was, what's one of the first remixes he spoke about? Was the mix he did for Imagination. Thank you. And his <laughs> version was a version that was super cool, but I'm going to let Lee tell the story about it. But here's how we're going to tell it today. First of all, I want to say, number one, is that we have Lee John from Imagination, one of the greatest dance bands of 1980s, okay? Some amazing hit records. Big story, he will say that as well. I just now find out he's writing a book and working that as well. So he has had time to write. He's been on countless shows from all over the world, America, Europe. He's constantly on that Eurostar going to some country <laughs> <laughs> to perform. I will ask him about that as well, but how he's getting through with COVID. He'll tell you about that as well. We work together. He's worked with countless record producers. 
the list goes on and on. It's crazy. The amount of stuff this man has written, the stuff that I don't even know about that he will mention, of course, because he's involved. And, you know, like every artist in our business, they have their hands in different pots. And that's what makes it very special. Okay. And I want to welcome to True House Stories, one of the best people I know, <laughs> most fun I've hung out with, laughed and cried, <laughs> and laughed and cried many times. Okay. Was was blessed to see him perform. Okay. Just he's God, he's huge. <laughs> big. Like Trump says, huge, big. He's big. He's huge. He's grand. Okay. So I'd like to all welcome, put your hands together for Mr. Lee John from Imagination. How you doing, everybody out there? Thank you. On a Wednesday evening or first, wherever you are. First, I want to say one thing. He's been nothing but struggle to get him on this show. But he's been watching the show and yeah. then working it quietly. He's been writing quietly. <laughs> I'm not name, but we'll let him talk. Lee, how are you these days? You okay? I'm fine. I'm fine. I had a little bit of a chill a couple of weeks ago because I had a, a dental thing. And after I had the, uh, like a, a, a filling, um, I stupidly the next day went down, started thinking I was a muscle thing, went, worked, did a heavy workout in, I think it was one degree or something. And I was wearing these summer um, trainers, which was silly. That meant that the cold would go through my feet. Anyway, cut long story short, for a few weeks in January, I was like out of action. But now I'm back on the train and that train's about to leave the station with some real great energy. Okay. So I'm, I'm back on it. But I needed the rest because actually, even though COVID was, you know, everything was happening last year, I've been extremely busy with my film projects, with the gorillas projects, with loads and loads and loads of different things. So um, I think I needed a little bit of space. And uh, that's why, you know, the Almighty said, stop <laughs> and, and chill out. So now Not I'm, in the name I'm of love. Not in the name of love, right? Not, stop. Not in the name of love. Mm -mm. Stop, look, listen to your heart. <laughs> okay. All the children that... Tune in from around the world. You know, Lenny asks always the first question because this is a music show and it's very important we get this. Mm -hmm. Is Lee, what is your first encounter? Or should I say, when was your first encounter with music? You know? Wow, that's an interesting one. Um, ooh, I had I have many stages of my life. My life is like a, a book of forge main books in itself. Um when I was very young, I played violin in school and I played the big recorder. I think a lot of people did um, when they were in primary school, lower school here in the UK. And um, my parents split up and I, my father sold a house in London because I was born in Hackney in London, not far from, I think, where Norma Jay was uh, actually. Um, and then I went for a brief period and lived in New York. And my first encounter there with music was um, my father's wife took me to an audition at Worldwide Records. I was about maybe 11 or something like that. And they liked my voice. And uh, I did a few demos, um, which I won't even tell you what they were. Wait a minute, in New uh, York? It, this was in New York. I don't know anything about this. Yes. I, lived, I lived in East 95th Street between 
um, East New York Avenue and Rutland Road. I went to St. Francis of Assisi School. Later on, um, before I went back to come back to England, I went to Bishop Lockton Memorial High School. I did track. This was a very short period of time, but it was extremely influential. It was uh, it was the mid seventies where there was so much change going on, especially when it came to people on TV. The Flip Wilson Show, Diane Carroll, um, Bill Cosby. Um, you know, I remember the Melbourne. I mean, I met Melbourne Moore, became good friends with her, but I remember seeing her show she had with Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland, Cleveland was it Clifford? Isn't it Clifford something? Is it? Yes, he, he, he they were this black yeah, version of Sunny. Yeah, that's right. And he wrote Never Can Say Goodbye. Clifton, was it? Clifton. Oh, God, it's going to get me well, now. Well, help me out there. Who who remembers the show Melba Moore, 1971? They were known as the first Sunny and Cher. Yeah, it was in the summer season. They were giving a lot of the black folks summer shows, like the Jacksons had a summer show, Gladys Knight had a summer show. Um, and uh, if you were lucky to see them, you know, at that time, it was very, very, you know. But I, I soaked all of that up. I was very much, um, and I still am, I used to be the person that would, I'd read all the, every, who, who did the background vocals, who did the arrangements, who did the, the played bass, who played, you know. And um, it, when I was in New York, there was such a wide, diverse um, sense of music that just inspired me. And I remember um, this, how, this how diverse it was that um, Eddie Kendrick's My People Hold On album came out at the time. And um, a friend of mine said, you've got to hear this track. This is really something. And we were in school, you know, in school. And it was Girl, You Need a Change of Mind. And that's been like the epitaph of my life. I, I, that, that, you know, Girl, You Need a Change of Mind, you know, anytime I get a chance to play that, if I'm doing a DJ set or something, that is it. And at the same time, I got into jazz and blues because um, a, a film came out by the name of Lady Sings the Blues. And it was really weird because I knew Motown and I knew the Supremes, but I didn't know Diana Ross. That was kind of weird. And when she did Lady Sings the Blues, I was enamored by it. And I wanted to go out and get the, the, um, the actual album, double album that they had out. <clears throat> and I couldn't find it. And I instead bought Lady in Satin by Billie Holiday. And it just fed into my, my blood, this, this, this album. And then I ended up buying Sarah Vaughan and buying Ella Fitzgerald and Duke Ellington, da, 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 alongside groups like Black Ivory and the Stylistics and the Shy Lights and the Temptations and the Jacksons. It was such a great thing. And then um, there was groups like, what, was it, what were they called again? Um, oh, God. Uh, uh, the Love's Gonna Pack Up. I walk out on a, the pers the persuaders, I think. Persuaders, yes. It's a thin line between love and hate. These are the times of, of songs, you know. Feels <clears throat> so. And and I was a kid, um, not even thirteen, fourteen, or something like that. But we, this is the kind of thing I was listening to. Laura Lee. Um, oh my Christ! It was it was something. Anyway. Yeah, I want to um, say something to you. Our crowd has just gave us a name to Melbourne Moore's partner, Clifton Davis. Clifton Davis. He has great. That's the Michael Jackson version. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Mike, 
phone keeps clicking. I thought I took the sound out, but it's like... Uh, and it's very it, insulting that they're, they're kind, trying to contact you. I know, they all want the attention. But what it, it was an ex for me, and it still is, you know, especially now in, 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 in the environment we're in, it's so inspiring to still get that injection of when you hear that that particular piece of music, oh my God, you know, I want to get down or, you know, you want to sing to it. You know, like a minute ago when I went downstairs and you heard me singing to, um, Don't my love, you know, because it's just like, wow. It's, Could it's, you imagine uh, people, every time he opens his mouth, it's like another song comes out. It's like, it's like that's me. I'm a crazy singing fool. That's that's how I've always been. Like, this is how it happens when we're all together. He'll just come out yeah. and you're like, we are always singing. I mean, you know, and even as a kid, um, I used to be on, when I came back to London, I used to have a, a Panasonic cassette machine. And you'd know me because I was the one echoing and singing and with the echo of the underground station with my, with my cassette tape machine, you know, and cassettes and stuff like that. And um, so, at, you know, when I came back to London, <clears throat> it, there was a heavy, diverse um, scene here. You had the reggae cloud, crowds with the, of the sound systems, which my cousins used to take me to. So for a period, I was into all this heavy do 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 and the heavy sound systems, and uh, was it um, Bluesville in, in Turnpike Lane? And then, all of a sudden, a friend of mine said, look, you know, you need to come to this club, Bird's Nest. They're playing a lot of import soul, and they'd have DJs that came off the um, army bases, and they would be playing these import soul records. And so, um, all of a sudden, I started following that, but I bounced from one to the next, the next, until finally, you know, the soul gave in and the fun gave in. But I still like my lover's rock and stuff. But it was a scenario where, you know, we'd buy records. We spent so much money on import records because you couldn't, they were not, the, the, the record labels weren't releasing, um, you know, black music over here. You know, it would only be. And why, and why was that at that time? They didn't feel that there was a marketplace for it. You'd only get it like on a compilation album, a uh, KTEL thing, and you know, you'd get the, the most popular ones like Hughes Corporation or maybe Gloria Gain or something like that on these little compilation albums. So you'd, you know, buy it. They had these super bad albums, I remember, um, at a time, you know, but the heavier stuff, you'd have to be paying 15, 20 pounds, you know, for, for these albums, you know. And a lot of the jazz fusion or, or or i'd say musicians that you know that played on all the everybody else's tracks started to create their own music and that's when i think the you know the when wayne henderson's royers all of that started to emerging and and obviously the disco kind of situation came in but i wasn't really into the disco thing i was more into the the whole funk the whole jazz funk situation because we were dancing all the time we'd go to clubs to dance, you know, we'd walk in, we'd feel we're bad, you know, and we'd dress, you know, we'd all dress and bam, as soon as you get on there, bam, hit that floor, dun, dun, dun. and it was all about that, you know, and at the same time, I was, um, I managed to start acting, um, and I started to, 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 to actually sing with a band, I was doing a, a musical um, with this band, and they asked me, you know, would I like to gig with them on the weekends? And that started it all up. And I started to gig and, and you know, then I was working part-time, then gigging. And, but it was fun. It's, it's amazing the amount of things I did then without a mobile. 
without a fence. Right. There was no such yeah. thing as that. No, no yeah, beepers. No. You had to be there on time. You had to be there, otherwise they'd leave you. You know, it was, right. it was like that. You know, it was no mobiles. It was like we're going to be at da 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 da. Otherwise, you take that taxi, and the money that you're earning for the gig, that's what you're going to be paying your taxi. You know, so it was, and it was, it, it was still fun. But I was learning, and I was believing. You, you, you know, even now, it's it's fun learning, the education of still learning, you know, stuff. Like I said earlier, you know, um, I got an opportunity to, to to DJ for solar radio the other day, and I'd done it a few times, but um, it's it's another area. I thought, well, oh, yeah. I've so when some... you mean DJ, are you talking about being like a presenter DJ? No, DJing, actually playing. Like it's mixing? Me... Like mixing yeah, yeah, or, yeah, oh, yeah, or yeah. talking? DJing and talking. I mean, when Body Talk, our first single came out, I remember prior to that, a friend of mine in South London used to have parties and he used to call me Triple because obviously Lee, Triple E. So he used to say, Triple, get on the decks, get on the decks. You know, so I'd get on there and I'd start playing, you know, because he said, you know, the other guy wasn't any good. So he said, Triple, get on there. So he's, when Body Talk became a hit, he phoned me and he said to me, I don't care what's happening, what you're doing, but you're going to play my wedding. You're going to play my wedding, and I'm going to work my schedule around your wedding. I'm thinking, no, I can't do a wedding. I've just done top the pops, you know. But I did. I did do his wedding, and um, which was quite interesting in in, in Peckham. Oh, even before we get to the wedding situation, where does this whole thing lead to imagination? Because there's a whole story to that. As oh my well. gosh! So how does um, the imagination group begin, and where does that? Where does that come together and how is that born? Well, basically, I, I, uh, I, I started to do a lot of different sessions. Um, and as I said, my, my, my main thing was to be the best, to learn. I, did, I was a singing waiter. I did sessions. And one of the sessions was with Trevor Horn, you know, Trevor Horn, the producer. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he produced Grace Jones. People produced, Google that. Know. Trevor Horn, if you don't know, you're going to be very impressed when you see his resume is the who's who of who. <laughs> he is. I mean, he to me, he defines, the one record that defines the 80s sound is Slave to the Rhythm, to me, because technically it has all these different elements that made 80s music for me. And her album was this one song, Slave to the Rhythm. But prior to that, he was... Um, working in a group called Buggles. You know, they had a track called um, Video Kill the Radio Star. But before he even did that, um, he was producing and doing all these different stuff. Anyway, I was with the management and uh, we did a few songs together. And uh, one of these songs was called Got To Be Good, and um, which I found the other day. It's, it's like on an acetate, but it wasn't mixed properly. And I went for some reason to um, a company which was distributed by Pi or PRT in London. And the A&R guy was a crazy guy called Morgan Kahn, who um, later on became quite successful with the Street Sounds label. Any of you guys who know the Street Sounds label? All oh, no Street Sounds. I always yeah. putting them up. Street exactly. Sounds. Exactly, Street Sounds label. So Morgan was like, hey, man, you know, I like what you're doing with this trap, but we got to do this to it, and da-da-da-da, baby, 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 baby. And I thought, you know, this guy's out of his mind, you know. But I like the energy. And um, anyway, we uh, managed to get the master. We had to go through all this technical thing to, to buy, get the track and blah, 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 blah. Uh, cut long story short, he wanted to sign me. He said, you know, like, I'm going to sign you. Um, and, uh, and that was it, you know. PR records? 
It was, it was, he actually formed the label for me, which was R&B. Okay. He formed that label for me because it was the first. So it was, it was, they had Red Bus, but he wanted to call it R&B. So he formed it for me, but they lost the master. They sent it to America. I think they wanted to get EWF horns and bra or whatever it was on it. And they lost it. They lost the master tape. The multi-track. The multi-track tape, right? Yeah. One of these, I've got a tape thing here, but it's a thicker one. Have I got one here? Uh, it's something a bit like this, <laughs> but a lot thicker. Yeah. Two-inch tape. Two-inch tape. This is a quarter-inch tape. Oh, my God. You would not believe what's on this quarter-inch tape. Just, uh, just going ahead of it, I've just found I've got to put my glasses on for this, but you guys are going to be shocked. This is a quarter-inch tape of a mastering mix of through of two tracks and they are one is the last time which was from our um closer album and the other one is instinctual see if you can see Ooh. that see instinctual see that? look wow. at that everyone wow I mean, that's going back to the god this was not what's it what year was this oh this says the 16th of the third march 1988 March 16th, everyone, 1988. <laughs> yeah, could you imagine? So those were the, those were the days. So there's, uh, um, and, and actually, fact, we're going to be doing a, a, a special box set of imagination. And we'll get to later. Don't get off. Don't get off. Don't get off. Oh, yeah, well, Stay on the track because you're going to jump off. So, so R&B Records is created. Yes, yes, yes. It's got to be good. Wait, which multi-track is missing now? Got to be good. Got to be good. It's a track called Got to be good. Okay. It's got to be good. And, um... And so basically, um, who was, oh yeah, the record company, um, no, it's Tony, uh, uh, Morgan Kahn and Ellis Elias, who was one of the directors, came to me and said, look, Lee, we're very sorry. Um, but, you know, look, I think you can write, you know, great songs and stuff. Maybe you could write something with one of our producers. I, at this point, I was like kind of really pissed off. And I thought, you know, so anyhow, a culling story short, Tony Swain gave me, um, who's one of my producers, a, a cassette. And, um, you know, he, he, I remember him distinctly because he's a lovely guy. And he basically said, look, anything you want to do, you may not like it, you may like it, da 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 And Tony's the same today. He's exactly the same today. He's like, you know, he's like a, a, a biscuits and tea kind of guy. He's really great. And we, we're very, still very, very tight all these years, all these decades later, I should say. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's more like decades now. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and, and funnily enough, when we get together and we have got together to write certain things, it's funny how I will still fall back into that sound with him. You know, I'll sing in, 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 in evoke certain situations because of chords or even, even how I interpret things. But that's another thing. But, um, Anyway, cut long story short, I went home and I even say this in my shows because I'm very, very proud of it. You know, one song can determine your whole destiny and it can change your life. And one of my things was I prayed that I could write one classic record that the whole world could be listening to. And if that could happen, I'd be happy. And that would be it. You know, of course, it became a lot more than that. But I wrote the lyrics and the melody to Body Talk. And at that time, I was gigging in about two or three different bands, one band called Fizz, 
um, with Ashley. And I, I used to bring Ashley, my bass player, to all these different things. We were gigging in all. I was like a gig crazy person. I was gigging in Brixton at the George Canning Pub, which had, you know, had a great time down there. Um, and it was about the work and doing it. And I was doing sometimes a Saturday morning job. Sometimes I was doing a full-time job and in the evening gigging as well. And I thought nothing of it, you know. Nowadays you get out of breath, but then, yeah. you know, it was like, yeah, and, and a lot of people were doing that. They were working and working in the nights, getting up in the morning, and, and, and then on Saturday they, they'd gig and then go to a rave, you know. <laughs> it, was, it was part of the, 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 that's what it was about. And, and then I was still creating, I was still writing and stuff. And um, anyway, um, I asked Morgan and Tony for studio time and said, look, I've got a track, got to go in, boom, boom. So I went in and I called Ash and I said, look, da, 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 I've got this idea. So we were thinking very much, and at that time, one of my favorite albums was Stay Free by Ashlyn Simpson, who I love to death. I think they're, they are one of the, the best writers, you know, in the, in the, in the industry. Oh, without a doubt, probably one of the, not the best out there. Yeah, my favorite track, um, Nobody knows the answer. You know, oh gosh, you know, I had an event a couple um, about two years ago, and on actually basically on YouTube where everyone, all my friends, everybody, we're all dancing to Nobody Knows. We're doing some line dancing and stuff. It's it's amazing. Everyone's getting down to it. But anyway, Ashton Simpson uh, were very influential in 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 because um, they had that kind of gospel feel along with soul, and they had the pop aesthetic as well. So with Boy You Talk, um, we rehearsed, 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 rehearsed. I remember rehearsing it. Oh. And uh, Tony kept saying, you know, like, why don't you record what you're doing? Because we're in the studio by this time. But the Body uh, Talk, when you did it, were you at home on a piano, like, working out chords? Or you just wrote the lyric? I just wrote the lyric and the melody line. of the cassette. The cassette was, was, was minimal to what we, that we had in the studio. So... Um, it was interesting how I weaved and dived and created. I created my own chords through the melody. So, I mean, they didn't know what I was going to do in the studio, to be quite honest. So they were sitting, literally sitting back, and that was it. Wait, so I'm waiting yeah, to see what you like. Yeah, Morgan and Tony just sat there, you know, like, okay, well, what are you going to do? And Morgan was going crazy. He used to rub his head and go, oh, my God, wow, this is so sexy. And, you know, like, body talk is a very sexy song. And um, the only change we did was, I believe, was Ashley was singing high like me, but it wasn't, the, it didn't, the timbrance wasn't right. But what you hear on body talk is one take. And then we just overdubbed with the um, choruses and stuff. And... Um, so then he cut it on an acetate, which is like, um, before you do an actual vinyl, you do an acetate, which is like to test it, to see whether or not, you know, the, the record sounds cool. And then he did white labels. And at that time in the UK, if you had a record that was a white label coming from America or supposedly coming from America, all the DJs would be grabbing it. <clears throat> and Body Talk was one of the slowest records of that year because it of the, the tempo and the hypnotic sense of it. And, and uh, it had jazz, it has a reggae feel, it had all these different elements and it was resounding. And, you know, and the 12 and the inch version, everyone was playing. And um, and actually, it's one of the longest records in the chart that year. So um, what happened was the record company said, well, what are you gonna do? You know, what are you gonna go out as, a, you know, what's it gonna be? 
And I didn't, even though we'd had body talk and, you know, we hadn't charted yet. It was just going out into clubs. I didn't trust the record company. So I said to them, you know what? I'm going to form a group because. But wait a minute. How did you know not to trust them? What was it a gut feeling or did someone clue you up? Well, no, because they lost my, they lost got oh, to Oh, because of the multi-track. We were already yeah, they lost they my, already they already, they already had got. one strike against them. You know, they lost my bloody track. So, you know, I'm thinking, I don't trust these people. I don't care what they say. So I thought, I'm the former group, so they can't screw up my solo career. You know? <laughs> so that's what happened. I then decided, you know, look, get Ashley in. Later on, we got Errol in. And that's how it happened. You know, it was one of those scenarios. But... I was very involved uh, in the in the nucleus of you know what imagination was. Everybody did their bit, you know, especially on the live side. But, you know, Ashley and Errol were uh, are great musicians, and what they did and what they contributed. Um, when it came to the studio side, I was very much a part of you know all the songs. You know, were an embodiment of what was was in my mind, or when I was with Steve Jolly, who was the other co-producer. Um, but I had a wide berth. You know, it wasn't, we weren't conditioned to, like, this is how we do it, da-da-da. Um, you know, I remember on the first okay. album... Hang on, hang on. So here's the most important thing. As a producer myself, I need mm-hmm. to this. Who was the right. first person, yes, who was the first person that played Body Talk to blow that record up? Because you know it's always first person where you get the call, guess what? Such and such played the record. No way. You know, like a BBC person. Who it was it? Was. Tell us everyone. Who was it? What oh my happened? Gosh, I'm gonna die! Oh my lord! It was. Did oh, you don't forget Pete that? Young, I think it's Pete Young. Okay. I think it was Pete Young. I think it was Pete Young. I think it was on Capital. Right. Um, I think on Capital Radio at the time. I think he played it. Um, I think Robbie Vincent played it. Greg Edwards played it. By the only um, in the skies, all the A-list. The one person that was really, really behind it was someone who we even helped with the name was Steve Walsh. Steve Walsh was one of the biggest DJs at the time. And he helped, he was always at, at R&B. Um, and, and to the point where when we were creating the name Imagination, he was involved in, you know, maybe you should call it this, da, 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 you know, so he was in there. And oh, he, he was, was in that, he was in the meeting with that too? Oh yeah, he was there, Steve Walsh. See, nobody yeah. knows that stuff. I never read, yeah, read that was, before. Oh yeah, he was behind us. All the time, he was really, really behind. He, in actual fact, he presented us at shows. Um, and and how did they present you when they present when they used to introduce you? Because you're a new band. Mm. They say something like hit hit making star or something like that. Oh my lord! You know what? It's it's we were so crazy. You know, because we had these. You know, we had the wild costumes. You know, we 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 kind of took. From the theater, we took from the club scene, because the club scene was wild. You know, people went out to clubs and they everybody dressed. It was post-punk, new wave. So you can imagine, well, in New York, they, you know, they did it. What the kids are doing now, we were doing, you know, 40 years ago, you know, 30 right. years ago. And, but it was like, you know, especially for a black group, my God, what are they doing? Wow, wow. But, you know, groups like Funkadelic and Parliament were doing that kind of thing. And when we saw that show, we thought, yeah, we got to take a bit of that, you know, and, and, and really push it. Um, there was a lot of thought, you know, it wasn't just put together just like that. There was a lot of thought as to what we were doing, especially when we went on to TV, because you only get three minutes and you have to make that three minutes count. Right. And then, and with Morgan, he was very, very crafty. He said, look, you've got three minutes. People are going to watch you 
tomorrow I want everybody talking about you guys. You know, that was what was in his mind. So he put, a, and he put a lot of weight on my shoulders, you know, saying, oh my God. Because I remember when we did Top of the Pops, um, and, and one of the things people don't know, some people do know, was that a, a group dropped out at the last minute. And that's how we got onto Top of the Pops. Otherwise, you may never have heard of us. And that's the, that was, that's the truth. That's how we got onto TV. And um, our performance was so explosive that everyone was talking about us. The next day it was in newspapers and da, da, da. it went on and on and on and on. And this a little something that people don't know is I had done an acting role for a TV detective show called The Chinese Detective. And I think Top of the Pops was on a Thursday. And the next day I was in The Chinese Detective. And a lot of people don't know that. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I was acting and I've done quite a few little acting. I did, I did, there was a uh, thing on Nelson Mandela, which uh, I'd done in 81. And I was in this courtroom thing in that as well. And uh, I never said anything to anyone. It's just like, now I can talk about it. But Yeah, right. You, know, you, 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 gotta, you gotta try and find it on YouTube, you know, but... Uh, Everyone look uh, for the Chinese detective with Lee John. See if you could... Yeah, I mean, I've got, I got a boom box with it, which is so funny. And, uh, it, it, it was funny because it was at that time, um, we were we were always working people. It was about the work, you know, and oh, you were inspired by the work. Because we have also younger people now that never had a chance to see the BBC Top of the Pops. Can you, in a brief explanation, how important was that show to pop music and what was consistent of that show? Because some people don't know that, you know? Top of the Pops is on BBC every Thursday night. It was um, a show that the whole family, which we don't do nowadays, you know, the whole family sat down together, they had their dinner, you know, mum, dad, sister, brother, and everybody would be watching this musical program. And on this program, the music was very diverse and it had popular music. It sometimes, if you're lucky, they had a reggae record on there. And, you know, they had different groups, you know, from America, all over the place. But what it did do, it brought us all together and it, in every, it had very high ratings because everybody would run home to watch Top of the Pops to see who was going to be on. Or you'd look on the listing and say, Imagination's on. Oh, I'm going to run, you know. So it was that kind of program. And it was very, very important because um, everyone was together. The family was together, you know what I'm saying? And um, which you don't get a lot of that today, you know. Oh, you don't. You don't. Because you know, everybody's in their own rooms or they're watching on their own mobiles and stuff like that. Yeah, There's exactly. a unity and a togetherness yes. that I think that was really cool. Because like I'd sit with my mom, my sister, we'd be all there watching. And even if I didn't like the group, you know, we'd slag the group off, whatever, there'd be something else coming on. That's, oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, yeah. Especially if it was a black group, we're all <laughs> thinking. And the scenario was for me, I used to count how many black groups from the UK would be on TV because this situation. And, and what I used to think, especially when Body Talk came out, what was in my mind, I thought, oh, it's only going to go top 30, top 40, and then that would be it. Because that was the support that the, the, the industry had behind British black artists. They didn't push them. They didn't, they didn't you know, it was, it was the Americans. And you were like, you know, we, the Americans were A and we were C, you know, or D. And that was how that's meant. And I, and I fought that very, very hard. I fought it very hard. I thought, we want A, we want A, we've got to go for A. And so each time we went on top of the pops, you know, we became more, you know, going and, you know, we 
pushed because we were a live group. I came from the live background. So we took that to such a level, right? We have to get a live show out there and show people what we're about, that we right. be this super group. Um, eventually, you know, we toured all over the world and uh, known for our, our, our shows and stuff like that. So, you know, but it was a lot of hard work. And I remember we, from as much as we promoted here, we promoted in Europe just as much. France became like a huge territory for me, e- even right now, you know, very, very huge. Yeah, I know. They um, love you there. They always mention yeah. you. Every time I'm every day they play. I mean, John music. Yes, I have the John's music. I have it. Yes, I have it. Yes, I have. They they buy everything. They buy my jazz album. They buy every. And France is the Benelux territories. It's Africa. It's South America. Um, Even with the Gorillas um, track I did, I didn't realize how many South American fans that you know I have, and also Imagination Music has and stuff, Um, because they all came out of the woodwork. You know, from Argentina and. Brazil and stuff like that. And, and that's why, even though we're in such a pandemic, how music can bring us together, how it can really generate some goodness some positivity, some upliftment. And I'm glad that I can be a vessel that can actually help bring that through. Because believe me, going from day to day to day to day, you need something, you know. Right. I, to hold that's on. Why, yeah, that's why I put my tie on for you today. <laughs> Real professional, I'd say he's so stepped so, up. So, so, so we got the body talk, okay? When does I'm proud of that. I'm very proud of You that. should be, damn you. You should be. I'm and very, very proud. proud. But let's be real. America comes knocking at the door. When does that happen? Well... America That's a big thing for old English is to break that America. I know, to break the American market. I mean... And, you know, we were like, oh, my God, we're going to go to America. And the call came and it was not body talk. Body talk, America is divided into so many different states that, you know, body talk was hitting in Nevada or something like that. Or that's uh, uh, West Coast. No, West Coast. Yeah, body was in the West Coast. But in New York and Philadelphia and Chicago, Detroit, it was so good, so right and burning up. That's right. They were the ones, it was a double A side. And all of a sudden, we got a request from Larry Levan, Paradise Garage. And one of my favorite clubs was the one in New Jersey. Zanzibar. Zanzibar. I love Zanzibar. Zanzibar was, re- I mean, you know, I love Zanzibar. Zanzibar, they made you feel at home. They really <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Zanzibar was... They gave me, I remember they gave me this Eddie Kendrick's mix of going into Change of Mind, and I left it there because we were, we were drawing ourselves, we were partying so much, it, well, I forgot it there. But they looked after you, the point where they'd have this jacuzzi and, and, and steam thing, and they really looked, but they were really great people. It wasn't the same as in New York where, you know, hey, they're so used to everybody. But in, in Zanzibar, I had a great time, and, and I love going, going back there every time to do shows there. And um, I think ten, not ten. What were they called again? Um, they got signed to Motown. Um, they were based there. One of the DJs, this group. Um, they you were like, you remember in in? You mean the DJ Timmy yeah. Registered? Timmy Registered and he was, was yeah, was at Motown. I remember he was working there. Yeah, and there was a group. Remember they did one album. They were Blaze. huge. Who Blaze? Blaze, Blaze, my group, Blaze. Yes, that's Kevin Hedge and uh, Josh Milan, everyone. Blaze. Look, Kevin Hedge and Josh Milan, they had an album. Yes. 
But wait, so wait, let's go back to Larry Levan in the Paradise Garage because this I know there's a story that's good that has because I asked you this decades ago. Who calls who and what happens to make this all come to America thing? You don't, who's calling to bring you? Um, oh my goodness gracious now. You, you gave me the thing now. I mean, Larry think wanted us there and we, we went there more than once. I kind of remember the second time more, but the first oh. time we went, I remember the first time we went, everybody said, don't do, they don't drink alcohol and don't drink any of the punch. <laughs> so I remember they said, don't drink anything, bring water. And that's because we were doing, you know, those times you, 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 got, you go on stage at one o'clock in the night or two o'clock, then they send you to Zanzibar at three o'clock or something like that. So you're sleeping in the day and all that kind of stuff. So it's fast and quick. And I remember we did this whole show um, that we'd taken from London, brought it to, to the States, we had to change things around. And we were using reel-to-reels at the time. You know, and then I remember the second time we went back because Larry said, please come back. Um, and by that time, we'd had, I don't know how he got it. He, he got an import version of the In the Heat of the Night album. And what he did was, I don't know how he did it, but he did like a 45-minute version of Changes. And I remember standing in the club, hearing... Right. Dum, 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 Explain that. And it was just... He had found the instrumental or something, somehow or the other. He found a multi-track, someone sent him. And he had that, and it's, it's actually out there somewhere where there's 45 minutes of dum 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 changes. He was, he was, and it's like, because I knew so many people were telling me, oh, we love changes because we'd done Soul Train at the time. That was it. We did Soul Train. Don Cornelius Soul Train. And we did we did changes and we did um, just an illusion on 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 that show. I remember? Yes. Um, yes. I remember that show. I remember you when you did that show. Oh my god! Believe me, I I saw it recently, and um, I'm looking for. There's a bit that I've got which is cut out where Don Cornelius says, "This is the band that Marvin Gaye gives a stamp of approval." So anybody who has that, please. I've never seen that. Oh my! Anybody has that in the in in the in, he in our says, audience. Yeah, because he, he talks to us and he says, um, well, Marvin Gaye's been talking about you guys, da-da-da-da. And in actual fact, on that show, we met Marvin and I actually sang to him in his dressing room. That was one of the things, you know. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what it was. You have to wait in the book. No, we don't but, need to um, the book. We don't need, we'll get to that book in a minute. But uh, let's go back. Wait, explain to everyone, you're on the dance floor of the garage. And you're hearing your song and that sound system and those people. Tell us, what, first of all, you're saying the version is nothing you know of. You're hearing, yeah. so what are you thinking? Oh my God. He said, I, he said, I've got something special to, to, to for you. And I thought, okay, you know, because I, I like being around the DJs. I've always had this DJ kind of thing going on, this, um, you know, being in, in that environment. So when he started playing this, I thought, wow. And it was like, Everyone was going mad. Everyone was going crazy. And I'm thinking, this is our song. And how is he doing it? You know? So right. Because that's what I was saying to you. What, wait a minute. That's not the song we heard in the studio. What's no, that? Exactly. What version is this? And you're part of right. I don't and know. Then, and then basically, it inspired. He did a dub version. He did this whole dub thing. And um, so I think the record company in the States would give him the multi-track. And that's what happened. Oh, okay. The multi-track. Okay. And so what happened was... We then decided when we went back to London to do this night dubbing album. 
And the night dubbing album was the first two albums in dub. And it was one of the very, very first soul funk albums to be dubbed. And now it's very sought after. A load of people go online to get this album. There was only one other artist or two other artists. I think um, the Thompson Twins did a dub album and uh, what they're called again, Don't You Love Me Baby. Um, Don't You Love Me Baby, what's it called again? Anyway, the group that did Don't You Love Me Baby, I can't remember. They did the dub album. I'm kind of like saying myself, I don't know who it is, but I'm- Yeah, but we know it. I couldn't remember it, but we did this dub album and it just went crazy. Oh, Don't You Love Me Baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, now I'm thinking, like, yes, that's around 82, 83. Yes, I know. Yeah, it was 83, 84 by the time right. that by the time the album came out. And it's, if you, you know, I've got a, a vinyl of it, but it's very online. It's very sought after. Human League. 